You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. In this episode of the Motor City Hypnotist Podcast, uh, it's Q&A time. Uh, This time we're just going to have Q&A questions and answers about therapy. I know many of you have probably seen a therapist. Some of you may have not, but there are tons of questions out there. And we're going to cover them here. And if you happen to be listening live on Facebook or watching live on Facebook and you have a question, drop it in. We'll be right back. Get ready for the Motor City Hypnotist, David R. Wright, originating from the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. He has hypnotized thousands of people from all over the United States. David R. Wright has been featured on news outlets all across the country and is the clinical director of an outpatient mental health and hypnosis clinic located just south of Detroit, where he helps people daily using the power of hypnosis. Welcome, the Motor City Hypnotist, David R. Wright. What is happening, people? It is David Wright back with another episode of the Motor City Hypnotist Podcast. You know, I haven't seen you. I missed uh, the last couple of episodes. Yeah, you, you missed me Matt, last week, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah we uh, missed you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. But I'm happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Glad you're back. Thanks. Matt is with us as usual. Matt Fox. Well, Cheers. not usual, just most of the time. Yeah. Cheers, Matt. There's a cup to you. Yep. And uh, we are here at the Podcast Detroit Northfield Studios. Those of you on Facebook or watching live, thanks for tuning in. And again, if you have questions about therapy, our subject today is question and answer about therapy. Uh, I know we did a Q&A a while back on hypnosis. Uh, this will have to do with, with just uh, regular therapy. <laughs> when I say regular, I don't mean like, you know, just typical therapy. So yeah, thanks for checking in. Those of you listening to the podcast, I appreciate it. Let me tell you where you can find me. My website is MotorCityHypnotist.com, and just as a heads up, we just revamped the site, and it just launched two days ago. Um, it's, if any of you who have websites or have web designers, uh, there's always a challenge when you relaunch something. So the first day it was up, none of my podcast links worked. Uh, which is fine. I mean, you could still get the podcast on your podcast providers, but if you're listening to it through my site, right. the links weren't working. The, the player wasn't playing. Um, so then I went in and, and of course, I, I fix what I can. I'm, I'm no web developer by any means, but, but it, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with WordPress and things like that. You can hold your own. I can hold my own. All right. um, so I went in and I, I'm, I'm, you know, tried to reinsert the new embed links for the player and, and, um, so, so we went probably, I'm going to say most of the day without those links working, which is fine. It, it, it just, it happens sometimes, not a big deal. Um, but right now everything seems to be up and working. So all the podcast links are there. So yeah, on the website, go to the podcast page and you'll see all of our episodes all the way back to number one. Because we are on episode 51 today. That's amazing. Yes. So much content, uh-huh. so much information out there for your yep, folks. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And you can find me on Facebook and YouTube, both of those, Motor City Hypnotist. And just as a heads up on YouTube, I, I, I've, I've really focused over the years on growing my Facebook, uh, my Motor City Hypnotist page um, there as far as getting likes and, and people to subscribe. And that, that one does pretty well. I think we're up near – oh, I know we're over 45,000 on that. Wow, page on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of neglect the YouTube side of things just because I wasn't posting regularly. But now since we've started the podcast, I, I video all of these and that video drops into YouTube probably about a week or so after the podcast hits. So if you want to watch it live and you can actually see me doing it, hmm. yeah, check the YouTube out and, and subscribe to that as well because that, that would help me out. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Both of those are Motor City Hypno. And I am also on Patreon. Patreon's a creator site where fans can contribute to the show, minimal financial contributions, and uh, you get early access to the podcast. You can get uh, cool merch like this coffee mug and uh, other camera. Other there camera. It is. There it yeah. is. I feel like I'm on a news show. Like, except these cameras don't have the red light, <laughs> no, so I don't, don't know which, which don't. one is on. <laughs> which is fine. Camera one, camera yeah. two, yeah. camera one, camera two, um, and. Um, uh, whichever level you choose, it's much appreciated. Again, very minimal investment there, um, and it just helps to show out. And as usual, I'm giving away a bunch of free crap. <laughs> One is a free <laughs> hypnosis guide. <laughs> we already have your first question in the in the wings waiting. Just so you're oh, aware. Alan, hey Alan, yeah. great to see you again. Yeah, Alan, the, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> this is Taco Night for Alan. Is but, it Taco Night? Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we'll we'll jump into. Yeah. Alan, I'll be right with you. I'm going to finish up my my. I'm giving away free crap, so we're going to do that first, and then Alan, we're going to do our winner of the week. So hang in there. We'll yeah. get to your question. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, a free hypnosis guide is available. My download for hypnosis for confidence is also available as it is every show. And also, uh, if, if you'd like to join uh, my private Facebook group, Empower Your Mind for Success, that group kind of focuses on uh, changing your mindset for success, whether that be business. It focuses mostly on online businesses or course creation, but it can be applied really to any area of your life. So if you want to join that group, uh, you can find that link in the show notes as well. Cool. It is time. So our winner of the week this week is it's it's a little long story and I'm not going to read the whole thing because I'm I'm looking at my my printout here and it's like two and a half pages but it all goes back to Mister Rogers. Uh, I grew okay. up on, I grew up on that gentleman. I did too. Mm-hmm. Um, so long story short, there is an author who well he he's not really an author he does articles but he is a professor in the Department of Counseling at Indiana University mm-hmm. of Pennsylvania. His name is John McCarthy. Okay. So this article was from him. He wrote this article. Um, so he said, long, and I'll, I'll hit the highlights of the article. Mr. Rogers embodied a spirit of unconditional care and acceptance, a fervent faith in children, and a calming gentleness that communicated safety. Mm-hmm. So he said, he st- this is kind of the funny part. He, he is probably in my age range, sort of, uh, but he said, Mr. Rogers wasn't cool when he first appeared on PBS in 1969, mm-hmm. at least not in my neighborhood. Uh, the message was clear. If you wanted ridicule, watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> really? So again, as a kid, 
as an older kid, it was probably like, oh, you watch Mr. Rogers. So yeah. you kind of, you know, they, they kind of busted each other's balls about that, as I, I guess, as a kid. So long story short, he had a daughter, this, the, the, the author of this article. And he said since he had his daughter and, and he started his journey in parenthood, he would spend mornings with his young daughter and found that the 30 minutes of television time fit perfectly in between breakfast and our walk around the block. And he said, um, of course, that slot was filled by Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and then he said the trolley was back to haunt me 30 years later. <laughs> <laughs> he moved to San Francisco or what? And he lived in Pittsburgh, <laughs> okay. the real-life home to Mr. Rogers. Right. So okay. he was in his area. All right. Fair enough. So he said I'll, – I'll paraphrase. He said this version of Mr. Rogers was different from what I remember or maybe I was different. He said the older me learned about child development, lifespan theories, brain development. He had worked with children, studied creativity and he just said his vision of the world changed because he now saw the world as a parent. Mm. So now Mr. Rogers is, was much more real to him, much more meaningful. Right. So he became a central figure in his emerging fatherhood is what this guy says. Huh. So around his daughter's second birthday, he had an idea. He said, I'm going to invite one key person in my daughter's world to dinner each month. It could be like a local children's librarian. It could be the mayor. It could be uh, a teacher from school. Right. So this was his idea, just to kind of have somebody over once a month that who had an influence. But his goal was to start at the top. Let's invite Mr. Rogers himself, this guy <laughs> thought. Okay. And he said to his wife, after all, he lives just a few neighborhoods away because he's in that area. Yeah. So long story short, he sent a letter to Mr. Rogers that fall telling him of my newfound delight in his show and my idea for inviting neighborhood people over to talk about their lives and asking him to be our first guest. To his two-year-old daughter. Yes. Okay. To, to, to kind of introduce this, this, this program for his two-year-old daughter to bring in influential people in her life. Wow. All right. So one month later, no reply. Two months later, no response. At the three-month mark, my wife simply rolled her eyes whenever I brought the topic up. I was beginning to lose optimism. Mr. Rogers had let me down. Long story short, sadly, he says in the article, sadly, Mr. Rogers passed away in late February of the following year. I was unaware of his illness and now understood why the invitation was never responded to. Okay. Um, no, Mr. Rogers would not be coming to dinner after all, unfortunately. So he, he says right around the time after he passed away, he took his, his daughter to the museum. Upon arriving home from the museum that afternoon, I was stunned to find a letter in our mailbox from Mr. Rogers. Okay. The accompanying note from his associate producer indicated that it was among the letters written in the early stages of his illness. Wow. The one-page type letter was akin to something from an old friend, personal, gracious, and caring. He apologized for not responding sooner and told us that he was honored by the invitation, but unfortunately couldn't attend due to illness. My goodness. That's yes. beautiful. Wow. He appreciated my daughter's enjoyment of the television visits. He called them television visits, not the show. Okay. And mentioning, mentioning her twice by name and expressed gratitude for the comments about his program. So the, 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 the father, of course, said, Mr. Rogers didn't have to write me that letter. He didn't know me, and he was sick at the time. He didn't have to put the effort in to respond. But he did. Mm -hmm. And he said, Mr. Rogers never came to dinner, but in the end, he shared something much more enduring, believing in others, hoping for the future, seeing true dignity in humankind, and knowing that when least expected, 
the best presents in life come from a special neighbor. That's awesome. That's kind of the, the culmination of the article. So for John McCarthy, the guy who wrote this, it's a fantastic article. I'll leave the link to that in the show notes as well. It's a, it's a really cool article, and I really whittled it down. It's a, it's a really cool story. So John McCarthy, the guy who wrote the letter, the father, his daughter, and Mr. Rogers are winners of the week. That's how winning is done. It sure is. That's I, you know, growing up on that man and everything that he did for television, for kids programming. Right. Just incredible. You know, and as a child, I did watch it, but I don't think I, as a child, you don't appreciate the, the, the real deeper meanings to that. No, you don't. You know, the, the interactions with the mailman and, and the, the, um, the other characters in the show yeah. that were diverse and, and just, again, just being friendly but, and, and kind. But that man himself, who, who Mr. Rogers, he saved PBS television mm-hmm. when he went in front of the Supreme Court and said, no, this is the way it's going to be. Yes. And finally, one gentleman, just who was bullheaded against the entire idea, he turned him. Yes. Oh, just yes, just, just an incredible story of Mr. Rogers yep. and how that turned around PBS and uh huh, and of, and of course the the movie portrayal Tom yes. Hanks did was yes. was I, 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 it, it's a movie. I'm sure there were some embellishments, but but from what I've read, most of it was really true to life as far as mm-hmm. his character and and, and his kindness. Yes. Yep. Ah, yeah, fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. My pleasure. I, I just really love the story. And, you know, I was like, I like finding good stories. That's the whole, you know, whole point of winner of the week. That's right. Find great stories <laughs> and make people feel good. Why so serious? Uh, yeah, yeah, not, not serious. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're doing it. We're doing another Q&A. We, we did a question and answer a while back in one of the podcasts specifically regarding hypnosis. Mm. This this question and answer is is about therapy. And and those of you who know who've been listening for some time, if this is your first time listening, just so you know, at, you know from the title of the podcast, I'm a hypnotist and hypnotherapist, but I'm also a licensed therapist. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm a licensed professional counselor. I'm licensed by the state of Michigan to practice therapy. So so I do what we call traditional therapy as well as hypnotherapy and hypnosis. <laughs> So, so there's a lot of a lot of questions out there, and and I took a lot of these questions one from my own personal, uh, my social media, just online question sites like uh, there's a site out there named called Quora where people ask questions and then professionals can answer. So just a lot of different questions about therapy, and, and those of you out there who have never been to therapy, maybe maybe you just maybe you just don't know what to expect, or maybe you don't you know in general what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you can when you talk to somebody because you're having issues or difficulties. That's 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 what it is. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. And I hope throughout this process, one of my main goals about this too is to kind of get rid of that stigma attached to mental health and therapy. Yes, because a lot of people are, if they know somebody, I, I mean, honestly, the, the fear is that well, what if my friends find out I'm going to therapy, or what right. if my family finds out? If you're com- if you are comfortable with yourself. You don't mind sharing that type of information, exactly. And it's got to, it's your close friends. It just can't be a complete stranger. He's like, "What the hell are you talking? Why, why are you telling me?" If you can tell people that you're doing it, that means you're comfortable with yourself. But there's something askew somewhere. Yep. Right. And I say this to clients, and I and, and I, I, I I'm I'm pretty sure I'm a hundred percent on this over the years. I mean, I I might have missed one or two here or there, but every new client I see, the very first session. 
I say to them, I'm like, listen, everybody's effed up. Everybody has issues and things that they can work on. Yeah. Oh, good for you. <laughs> I do. That's what I tell them because I, I don't want people to have that feeling like, well, what's wrong with me? Why does everybody else seem fine? Right. Because that they're, they're everybody. It's just a degree. It's a matter of degrees, and that's why I like to look at it. Everybody has issues they can work on. How bad is it affecting you? And how 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 what what does it prevent you from enjoying in life? Right. That really is the question. No, which kind of takes us to the first question that we have from mm-hmm. Alan. From Alan, yes. Yep, and he actually says, "Hey, hi, gents. Happy holidays." Uh, question is, what is the average success rate of therapy over the lifetime of a person receiving it? Which is I'll let you answer, but he says, I realize that may be a difficult question to answer, but your take on the success rate. Success rate is very subjective. Again, as as Alan said, it, it is a little bit difficult question to answer because it it also depends on what somebody is coming to therapy for. Mm-hmm. If somebody is, I'll just use a general example. Let's say somebody's having issues with anxiety and, and they get anxious when they drive. That, that That's a serious thing for the people who are experiencing it. Right. As opposed to somebody who comes in who may have been physically abused as a child right. and still has these deep ingrained issues. Mm-hmm. So so it's two definitely different situations that affect people differently. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to say one is worse than the other because the person – each person experiencing each of those issues, it is a serious thing because they struggle with it. I will say that if if the person is intent on making change, they really want to make change and and, and address the issues and feel better, mm-hmm. and you have a good therapist, and those are two big ifs, right? Then the success rate is is very high. I, I mean, I would say if if both parties are if the if the person coming to therapy is invested and the therapist is good, it's highly successful. One may take a little bit longer than the other, right? Because there's a lot more to dig into. Absolutely. Right? All right. Yeah. In, in some therapies, in, in, in general, there are different ways to approach therapy because we sometimes I'll we'll get a client that is a um, – let's say that they were – they are uh, – maybe they had an issue at work mm. and, and you know, that they, they got um, – they got in trouble at work. Maybe maybe they had a inter- a conflict with somebody or an interaction. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that that doesn't mean there's something deeper, but sometimes we can work through issues in just a few sessions, mm. and the client feels better, and they're like, "Oh man, this really helped," and they move on their way. Right. Sometimes I've I've had clients that I've seen on and off for years because they, you know, with serious more serious mental struggles such as bipolar disorder right. or even schizophrenia. It, it doesn't just go away. Right. And, and it never probably will. It, it There's probably going to be a level of it there because, mm. because it's a, it's an imbalance in brain chemicals. And, and that's, it, that is different than somebody who's just sad yeah, yeah. or somebody who's just hyper. Right. Yeah. Oh, Alan actually did say he did uh, confirm it is taco night. Oh, oh! You, oh! He went beyond beef. He went which beyond is plant-based beef. beef. Yeah, so. <laughs> oh, good for you! <laughs> I love it. It's quite pungent. Stings the nostrils. <laughs> I hope not, Alan. Yeah. Well, you'll have to let me know. Careful if with it's that. pungent or not. <laughs> so, so let's. Here's a, a lot of the most common questions I pulled from listeners and from other sites where that that ask questions about therapy. The first one is, are there things you shouldn't tell your therapist? 
Um, it, I, I, that one struck me as funny when I first read it. I just kind of cocked my head to the side. I'm like, right? why are you going to therapy? Well, <laughs> it, that, that, that's what I'll lead into. Um, <laughs> if you feel like there are things that you shouldn't tell your therapist, typically there's a reason that you're fearful of doing it. Hmm. I'll, I'll give you a great example. Somebody who might have suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. they're afraid to tell their therapist because they're afraid of what might happen. Ah. Because and, – and I'll be up front with everyone and, and you should know this of all therapists. Actually, therapists, teachers, um, and anybody who's, who's in helping professions, the, the, there, there's, there's law and, and the law is, is we are mandated reporters. If we feel like somebody is in danger – of hurting themselves or someone else, we have to, by law, report that. Right. Um, so I understand that somebody might have fear that if they share with their therapist that they're, they have suicidal thoughts, the fear is maybe that now, oh, they're going to commit me. Now, let me, let me I, I, I want to be very careful in how I say this too because I think, I think at some point everyone has thoughts. And, and I don't say that lightly. I just think that throughout people's lifetimes at one time or another, most people have thoughts about it. Like, you know, I wonder if it'd be better off being dead or, or not being here. I mean, I, I know I can, I can tell you from experience through adolescence, that was, a, that was a thought that I had probably quite often. Just the thought that, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll show them. It's, it's kind of that rebellious thought, although it didn't make much sense looking at it now. But I think everybody has the thought at some point or another. Now, the, there's a difference between thought and intention. So if I have a client that comes in and says, yeah, you know, sometimes I think about, you know, would it be better if I weren't here? I talk to that. I talk to them about that and see, well, where's that coming from? Where, where's that? But that in and of itself does not does that make me say you need to go to the hospital or we need to commit you because there's no imminent danger. And I think that's the big term. If there's imminent danger, then I have to report it. Now, if somebody says to me, you know, I'm, I have a thought and, and I am sorry to get graphic about this, but I think it's important that people know and, and understand it, that if somebody says to me, you know, I have thoughts of, of killing myself with the gun that I keep in my drawer mm. and it's loaded and oftentimes I'll pick it up and consider it. That, that almost sounds like intent. Yes. There, there's a level of intent there yeah. because you're actually telling me the way you would do it mm. and where it is. And, and th- that's a little bit more I, – I, in, in that situation, I would probably have to say, you know what – and there are ways we can do this, and I don't want to get stuck on this question for the whole episode. But but it's it's, I there there's a fine line between me saying okay, I think what I recommend is that we go to the hospital, mm-hmm. like we leave right now from the session, go to the hospital. If they have if they have a spouse, I would typically contact them to let them know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Again, HIPAA laws. This is the only time I could break confidentiality. If it's for the safety of a client or somebody else. Fair. So as far as not telling your therapist things, typically there's a reason you're not telling them. And that's important to evaluate why. Why would you not tell somebody? Is it out of fear? Is it out of embarrassment? And that's something you have to come to terms with. Um, So I would say you should be, if you're going to therapy, the biggest favor you can do yourself is be totally honest, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, the therapist is not going to have a good grasp on what's really going on. And it's going to be less likely to be able to help you if you're not honest. All right. 
That was pretty heavy. Why so serious? <laughs> okay, the next question is, do therapists also see therapists? It's a fair question and probably one that a lot of you out there have. I, the simple answer is yes. In fact, based on what we do, I, I would recommend that therapists see therapists. That, that, that I, I, would, I would kind of uh, want that. And I will say, you know, total transparency, I have seen my I've seen different therapists over the years on and off, depending on what's going on in my life. So I go back to our original statement that it doesn't it that there, there's a there shouldn't be a stigma attached to mental health, because if, if you think about it, if therapists are going to see therapists, you would think, well, what 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 would what's wrong with them? And it goes all the way back to the original statement. Everybody has something they can work on. Everybody has issues that they can work through and work on to improve themselves. So yes, definitely. Therapists see therapists. It's just a fact. Uh, and many do. And, um, and, and I'll get to a story about one of my therapists a little bit later on in one of the questions. It'll be very entertaining for you. A therapist shouldn't be talking to themselves anyway about their own problems. <laughs> to themselves, to talking themselves. to themselves. If you start answering yes. yourself, and you're pro- th- th- there's a definite issue there. Yeah, I mean, yes, especially if – I ain't listening to you no more. Yeah, that, that wouldn't work because you know if you're listening to your own voice, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It can work. So yeah, definitely therapist see therapist, and that's that's not unusual. I think it's I think it's a good thing. Um, here's here's a general question, and in general, well, I'll just ask. I'll I'll give you the question, and then to give you the answer, can therapists prescribe medication? It depends on what your understanding or term or definition of therapist is. Most therapists, a vast majority, are are have a master's degree in either counseling, social work, psychology, or family-related or family and marriage therapy. Hmm. So, so most, probably a vast majority of therapists out there are master's levels clinicians. They are not medical doctors, however. So because they're not MDs, they cannot prescribe medication because you have to be a physician right. to be able to prescribe medication. There are certain psychiatrists who do therapy. Now, I, and, and this, this, is, this has evolved over the years. Hmm. It used to be that you could go to a psychiatrist for therapy. They would sit down and do therapy with you, and then they would prescribe medication. That's very rare. I don't know many psychiatrists who are actually doing face-to-face therapy with clients on, on whether good or bad, for the most part, psychiatrists are there for medication management. And I will say, as a part in part of the policy in our our own office, is that if you see the psychiatrist for medication, you also have to be seeing a therapist at our facility to coordinate care. Because the thought is that medication alone is really not the answer. That's just a tool to get you where you need to be. So you really need to be working on therapy as well. So in general, the answer is no. Therapists cannot prescribe medication unless it is a doctor, psychiatrist who is providing the therapy. Hmm. All right. Well, and this one struck me as a, as a not funny, not funny in a funny way, but just funny odd. Um, there was a there was a question on one of the question and answer sites. Do therapists really care about their clients? And I I stopped on that one because it just kind of caught my eye. I and I would say. They should. Now, I can't speak for every therapist right. and say that they all care, 
because I don't know who your therapist might be. Um, I, I, I can say probably there are some therapists who don't care. <gasps> oh, great. Odin's <laughs> Raven. You know, there, there, are, there are folks that uh, I've known in my, in my lifetime that have been therapists. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say that every single one of them care about what they do and how they do it, which leads them to care about their patient. Right. And, and, and I would say a vast majority of people who, who go into this line of work have that level of empathy and mm-hmm. care for other people. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'll repeat, I don't know for sure that every therapist out there cares about their clients. Um, Which is unfortunate that, you, that, that that disclaimer has to Well, and it, because I've been doing this a long time, almost 30 years, and I've worked in a lot of different places over those years – I have, I've seen a lot of people who probably should not be therapists. Mm. I, it's just a fact. I, I, it's like any other profession. You, you, you see doctors and, and attorneys. It's like any other profession. They're, they're, they're really good ones and they're ones who just kind of mail it in. Yeah. So, so it does happen. So the answer to that question in general is yes, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hopefully. I, I think for the most part, yes, they care about their clients. Well, they wouldn't be doing that if they didn't care, I would imagine. Well, and, and here's the good thing to look at it, because a lot of people do certain jobs because it pays well. Mm. I mean, you know, maybe people are working in a job they hate. Maybe they're they're working on a line at Ford and it's just miserable, right. but they're making a hundred grand a year right. and get benefits. Mm-hmm. It's miserable, but they're getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can almost guarantee you therapists are not in it for the money because <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you're not going to make that much money what's, being a therapist. What student loan? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh they, they don't make a whole lot. I'm very important. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have many leather-bound books and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> Mine is more like pine. <laughs> especially this time of year. Right. Yeah, yeah especially this kind of year. Oh, that's funny. So yes, uh, most of the time therapists are doing the work because they want to. Yes, they're they're not going to make a fortune doing it, and that's it. W- it would be different if therapists were getting paid a couple hundred grand a year, and you could doubt what their intentions are. But yeah. for the most part, they're going to care about what they do. Man. So that I, we're, we're going to end on that question because we're going to continue on next episode with uh, therapist Q and A part two, and there's some really we'll get into some. I'll just tease a couple of questions here. Um, is it okay to get my therapist a gift? Hmm. Um, That's a good question, actually. Uh, how long will a therapist sit in silence? And then, of course, we got to hit on some of the most biggest questions out there. Uh, should you ever date a therapist? Oh, <laughs> can a therapist fall in love with a client? So, oh, wow. We'll, okay. Yeah, we'll address those questions. So, come back next episode. <laughs> We're going to hit on those, which should be that should be a lot of fun. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. We'll we'll see. We'll we'll see. (laughs) All right, folks. Come on back for next session or next episode. I'm see. I'm stuck on sessions talking about therapy. Our next episode, therapy Q and A part two. Change your thinking. Change your life. Laugh hard. Run fast. Be kind. We will see you soon.